Welcome to this Walnut Wednesday edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to our special Walnut Wednesday report, we'll bring you a look at national and regional agricultural news here on the show today. And I'll start things off with a look at regional agricultural news right after this. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. In the wake of farm shootings in the Half Moon Bay area and the Monterey Park community, the California Department of Food and Agriculture is reminding people that they maintain a webpage with mental health resources for those who need them. The webpage has tips on stress management as well as information on places to turn for people requiring assistance. Additionally, CDFA and its partners will disseminate information and resources within agricultural communities to assist farmers and farm workers. That webpage can be found by going to the CDFA. Website. California released a plan to ban certain harmful pesticides used in both rural agriculture and urban pest control by the year 2050, replacing them with sustainable pest management practices. Put out by the State Department of Pesticide Regulation, the California Environmental Protection Agency, and the California Department of Food and Agriculture, the Sustainable Pest Management Roadmap for California is not an immediate ban on certain pesticides, but a North Star, as Julie Henderson, the director of the Department of Pesticide Regulation, said. The road Roadmap will guide the state through a gradual process of first identifying the most harmful, dangerous, and high-risk pesticides for humans who live around the areas that they're used. After that, the state will figure out how to offer safer alternative pesticides or other non-chemical pest control practices to farmers and pest managers. The report defines high-risk pesticides as pesticides that have active ingredients that are highly hazardous and or formulations or uses that pose a likelihood of or are known to cause significant significant or widespread human and or ecological impacts from their use. Pest management refers not only to thwarting and killing insects and other critters that disturb agriculture and crops, but rodents in urban areas as well. The roadmap refers to sustainable pest management as a process of continual improvement that integrates an array of practices and products aimed at creating healthy, resilient ecosystems, farms, communities, cities, landscapes, homes, and gardens. SPM examines the interconnectedness of pest pressures, ecosystem health, and human well-being. Henderson noted that the communities in both rural and urban areas that experience the brunt of the human health effects of pesticides are often disproportionately affected by other toxins. The first step of the roadmap is an open public comment period where the public can respond to the nearly 100-page plan. The comment period will be open until March 13th. The Department of Pesticide Regulation will also host a series of webinars to discuss the roadmap next month. The Central Valley of California is the largest producer of agricultural commodities in the nation, and agriculture is by far the largest segment of the region's economy. But as Dr. Sharon Freeman, an assistant professor at California State University, Fresno, puts it, the state's changing demographics mean agriculture has to change as well. She says to remain competitive, they need to encourage Latinos and other underrepresented students to continue their education through their hands-on learning programs and to become future leaders for the agriculture industry. Freeman is 
is the program coordinator for the Jordan College of Agricultural Science and Technology's Ag Ambassadors Program, which began some 40 years ago to promote Fresno State, the Jordan College, and higher education in general. But she pays special attention to the Farm Credit Multicultural Ambassadors, five undergraduate students majoring in one of the college's six departments who are recruited to reach out to Latino and other underrepresented populations. The team visits urban and rural high schools and community colleges in the Central Valley and along the Central Coast to advise prospective students about the opportunities at Fresno State and to serve as role models to motivate and encourage these students to acquire the skills needed and courses to enroll in. Taking advantage of technology, the program even had a virtual session with students in Carpinteria in southern Santa Barbara County. The Multicultural Ambassador Program provides recruitment activities, career fairs, farm tours, and educational days to help ensure that underrepresented students become aware of careers in agriculture and the opportunities at Fresno State, according to Freeman. In the 2021 to 2022 school year, the program organized some 50 outreach events through the region, which reached 620 high school and community college students. The program was established by four members of the farm credit system, Ag West Farm Credit, American Ag Credit, CoBank, and Fresno Madera Farm Credit. Since the program's inception in 2013, they, along with the Golden State Farm Credit have donated $701,000 to support the program. The organizations are part of the nationwide farm credit system, the largest provider of credit to U.S. agriculture. If you don't understand a California water scene, you're in large company, as most of the state's residents don't either. Most of California receives practically no rain between May and November. Thus, agriculture relies heavily on irrigation using water from the great state and federal water projects. Agriculture thus relies heavily on irrigation using water from California and federal water projects. The state Central Valley, the heart of its agriculture, including the produce industry, runs some 450 miles more or less north and south between Redding in the north and Bakersfield to the south. It is 40 to 60 miles wide at various spots. These valleys are created by the Sacramento River in the north and the San Joaquin River in the south. They meet in the Delta, which is a marshy region southwest of Sacramento. These rivers are largely fed by rainfall, runoff, and snowmelt from the Sierra Nevada mountains in the east. The three-year statewide drought, labeled as extreme in many areas from 2019 to 2022, has cut into much of this supply. The torrential rains of the past few weeks, which delivered 15 to 25 inches of rain to various areas, have put an end to the extreme aspect of the drought, but they have resurrected a perennial issue in a fertile but semi-arid state. It focuses on the Delta, which is fed not only by the Sacramento and San Joaquin rivers, but other rivers coming down directly from the Sierras. The Delta is not only the center point of California's water system, but of controversies surrounding it. These have to do with how much water should be allowed to flow through the Delta in the San Francisco Bay and how much should be diverted for agricultural use, especially in the San Joaquin Valley. Agricultural interests want more of the Delta water pumped south so they can grow crops without having to delve even further into their depleted groundwater supply. Of course, they feel this need, especially right now after years of drought. Environmental interests want to keep the Delta flow through high to maintain it as a wildlife habitat. The Delta is home to some endangered species such as the Delta smelt, which of course makes the issue more volatile. The torrential rains have renewed this decades-old controversy. A Los Angeles Times article drew a great deal of attention when it cited figures from the Federal Bureau of Reclamation saying that nearly 95% of the water passing through 
through the Delta will go into the ocean. The Republican congressional delegation has called upon President Joe Biden and California Governor Gavin Newsom to increase Delta pumping to send south for agricultural use. And one other political detail to this whole issue is that California agricultural interests favor and are favored by Republicans, why environmental interests favor and are favored by Democrats, and the Democrats control both the governorship and the legislature. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bees' pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise. Be Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero. Superior Bees, Superior Pollination. The February 2023 edition of West Coast Nut Magazine is shipping out to readers across the state, and we're going to review the top walnut-related articles you'll be able to find in this issue. Starting at the top, we have an article on winter chill titled Winter Chill, Dormancy, and Walnut Management by University of California Cooperative Extension Orchard Systems Advisor Kat Jarvis Sheen, a familiar face for walnut growers in the North State. In the article, she discusses how walnuts are one of the highest chill requirement tree crops in California. Multiple recent winters have fallen short of the chill needed for a tight economical walnut bloom, and scientists expect such winters to be more frequent in the future. Though lower chill varieties are in development, the industry needs tools to support varieties that are currently in the ground for the next 20 to 40 years. Many products have shown to compensate for inadequate chill in other crops and other countries, but need to be tested in California conditions. With funding from the California Walnut Board, a team including Jarvis Sheen and UC Davis's Mesige Zwinicki and Julia Marino have begun testing dormancy breaking treatments to help California's walnut growers sustain economic production in the lower chill winters to come. This winter, the Central Valley is on track to accumulate as much chill, if not maybe even a little more, than the last two winters, which have gotten more than sufficient chill for walnuts. Looking at a sampling of 15 Simis weather stations using the UC Fruit and Nut Center Chill Calculator tool, on average, the Sacramento Valley and northern San Joaquin Valley have accumulated 47 to 48 chill portions to date as of January 9th, about what had been accumulated by this time last year, and six chill portions more than this time of year in 2021. In the southern San Joaquin Valley, an average of 44 chill portions have accumulated to date two and three more portions than this time in 2022 and 21, respectively. Both last winter and the winter before had accumulated more than enough chill by the end of February for walnut bud break to progress normally, so it's not looking like this is a year that walnut growers will need to use dormancy breaking treatments. That's lucky, Jarvisheen wrote, given how much everyone is trying to cut down on inputs and with current walnut prices. Nonetheless, she said it's good to be aware for future winters that there are options in the toolbox. More on that on page 10 of the February issue. 
Another top Walnut article was one from contributing writer Cecilia Parsons, which detailed the robust Naval Orangeworm discussion panel that took place during the California Walnut Conference in the beginning of January. Across the board, a PCA grower and processor agreed that Naval Orangeworm, or NOW, investations in walnut orchards were a growing concern. A robust discussion on management of this pest during the California Walnut Conference included diverse opinions and possible solutions to the NOW challenge. Naval Orangeworm damages walnuts once the husks split. Blighted or sunburned nuts also offer entry for egg laying, and larvae feed on the kernel and produce frass and webbing, making the nut unmarketable. Unlike coddling moth, more than one NOW can infest each nut. Infested walnut crops take longer to process, increasing costs as well. Eric Heidman of Diamond Foods Incorporated noted on the panel that there has been a gradual uptick in NOW damage in walnuts. Earlier varieties on southern growing regions are being most affected. At Second Shake, he said blocks of Teleri were approaching 5% NOW damage, and 20% damage with late harvest was not uncommon. More on that on page 28 of the February issue. One more top walnut article talked about what to do if your walnut trees are in danger of sun damage and has information on how to protect those trees ahead of a stress event. That one is by contributing writer Julie Johnson. Thinking and planning ahead is what walnut growers need to do if they want to protect their trees and crops from heat stress and sunburn caused from excessive temperatures and ultraviolet or UV light, both of which can significantly reduce marketable walnut yields. More on that on page 66 of the February issue. If you want to subscribe to West Coast Nut, go to myaglife.com slash subscribe and you can customize your subscriber list. For My Ag Life, I'm Taylor Chalstrom. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. The push to get a farm bill across the finish line this year could run headlong into the partisan fight over budget cuts versus raising the government's borrowing limit. New House Ag Chair Republican G.T. Thompson. We've got a deadline when this current farm bill expires, and that's September 30th, 2023. But Thompson will likely be seeking more money for a farm bill at the same time his party demands new spending cuts from the White House. Our uh, farm families need immediate action to address skyrocketing input costs, uh, supply chain uncertainties and other challenges. We need this administration to stop its irresponsible regulatory action and the majority to stop fueling the fire with out-of-control spending packages and haphazard policy. Referring to trillions in COVID spending, but that also included billions for ag conservation and rural broadband. Still, the GOP wants cuts in return for raising the debt limit, a strategy the White House so far rejects. Freshman Republican Ag member John Duarte acknowledges the dilemma. We're going to have a good farm bill, even though we know the realities are America's got to balance its books. We have to find some fiscal discipline. But doing so is another matter. 70% of the federal budget is mandatory spending like Social Security and Medicare. Close to 80% of it is the Farm Bill, but most of that is for food stamps. Cutting nutrition is a non-starter for urban lawmakers. Cutting farm safety nets like commodity, conservation, and crop insurance programs is the same for rural lawmakers. Passing a Farm Bill takes votes from both. 
Agriculture Secretary Jewel Brona has announced her intention to step away from her role at USDA. She says it is with mixed emotions that she is announcing she will step away from her role as Deputy Secretary in the coming weeks so she can spend more time with her family. President Joe Biden nominated Brona to USDA in January of 2021 and was confirmed by the Senate in May of that year. Bronon 2018 was appointed as the Virginia Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services Commissioner. She previously served as the Virginia State Executive Director for the USDA Farm Service Agency during the Obama administration. She was the first black woman to hold the second in command position at USDA. Bronon thanks Secretary Tom Vilsack for his support, adding that she looks forward to taking some time off to spend more quality time with her mom, husband, and four children. And speaking of roles at USDA, USDA Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack has nominated the current Deputy Undersecretary for USDA's Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services to that mission's area top role, which is Undersecretary. USDA Ag News reporter Rod Bain has the story. Stacy Dean has worked on her share of programs and issues since becoming Agriculture Deputy Undersecretary for Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services in 2021. Among those, promoting dietary guidelines and the MyPlate Nutrition Campaign. It takes uh, dietary guidelines and a lot of the important nutrition science that can sometimes just really feel hard to understand. There's so much to manage. And MyPlate just boils it down very simply into how to think about those four food groups on your plate. She was also noted for her role and contributions in development of last year's White House Conference on Hunger, Nutrition, and Health by Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack, all among the reasons for the Secretary's nomination this week of Dean to become FNCS's new Undersecretary. Dean's nomination will go before the Senate Agriculture Committee first, then if approved, to the full Senate for confirmation. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Food at home prices increased by 11.4% in 2022, more than three times the rate in 2021 of 3.5%, according to USA's Economic Research Service. The increase was also much faster than the 2% historical annual average from 2002 to 2021. All food categories except beef and veal grew faster in 2022 than in 2021. In 2022, price increases surpassed 10% for food at home and for nine food categories. Egg prices grew the fastest at 2.2% after an outbreak of highly pathogenic avian influenza throughout 2022. Prices for fats and oils increased by 18.5%, largely because of higher dairy and oilseed prices. Prices also rose for poultry at 14.6% and other meats at 14.2%. Elevated prices for wholesale flour and eggs contributed to a 13% price increase for cereals and bakery products. Prices for beef and veal, fresh vegetables, and fresh fruits rose more slowly, but all categories exceeded their historical averages. The National FFA Organization has announced its participation in a new community of practice with other nonprofit organizations focused on advancing racial equity. Over the next six months, leaders in the National FFA will work with the Bridge Span Group to strengthen their approach to advancing racial equity internally and externally. The Advancing Racial Equity Community of Practice, led by the Bridge Span Group, is funded by the Walmart Foundation. The funding will assist in supporting FFA to collaborate with others to share best practices and learnings on their work to prioritize equity. Soil and Crop Incorporated is your number one resource for sustainable nutrition. Growers are faced with difficult challenges and Soil and Crop Inc. has the experience, fertilizer, and biological portfolio 
to dramatically increase yield and performance in your troubled orchards and fields. Contact Soil and Crop Incorporated today for a free consultation on how we can help reverse the challenges you face as a conventional or organic grower so you can increase your bottom line and become a better sustainable farmer. Contact us today at 559-564-1236 or visit our website at www.callnrg.com. Soil and Crop, putting nature to work for you. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Thank you.